Hello, this is Notes from the Back Row, a podcast like no other, different themes, rotating hosts, and so much more. So strap in for a veritable cinematic Coney Island of the mind. Hello, everybody in Audio Town. Everyone <laughs> with ears. In Audio Coney Island. An Audio Coney Island cinematic of the mind. Welcome to our round table discussion. How exciting. We have not done one in a very long time. And normally around this time of year, we were doing the Back Rosie Awards, which for some reason <laughs> exploded this year. I don't know what happened. They just don't exist. They died. R.I.P. I didn't watch any 2021 movies. No. That's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> don't give the mystery up. So yeah. today you have me, Jenna. You have Veronica. Hello. You have Carlo. Hey, yo. And you have Dan. Hello. And together we are backrow.com. Yeah. And we're going to talk about something that we've been thinking about talking about. And actually that the crud mailbag received a question about like several months ago. Did we? Uh, (laughs) Cinematic comfort zones. Oh, yeah. This this is something that we've been talking about talking about for a while. (laughs) So now here we are talking about it. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. What I want to know what everyone's and, and this this leads into multiple things. So initially, I want us to talk about what a, a, a cinematic comfort zone actually is. How would how do we define it? Mm. How do we find it? And what it, what do we think our cinematic comfort zones are? Because I think we all have an, a general overlap, but we also are kind of coming in with a pretty unique, uh, a nuanced taste. I think all of us. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like a fine wine. <laughs> we all add something different. <laughs> That's true. I can agree with that. Yeah. So who I wants mean, to go first? Dan. Coming into the show, I was like, oh, I'm just going to go look at like what are the genres that I watch the most on Letterboxd, right? Because it tracks all that data. So that's how I kind of feel like, you know, the comfort zone is defined by me, but at the same time, so for full like disclosure coming into this episode, I was thinking, what am I going to talk about? Because I find that over the years of watching straight trash, you know, (laughs) my, my comfort zone has turned into when I put movies on and it's like nine or 10 and it's like, I, I have been gravitating more and more in recent years towards movies where it's like, I don't I want to commit to a movie where if I get tired at 11, I can turn it off and not be worried that like I'm like, you know, oh, I put this like, you know, award season movie on and now I'm like turning it off halfway through and not like getting the, you know, like the real experience of the movie. So I, I end up putting on just like garbage where. You know, if 1130 hits, I can be like, I'll finish this in the morning. It's not important. (laughs) See, that's it's funny. I mean, because for on my end, I'm always fine to like start and stop a movie. If that's, you know, Schindler's List or trash, I can be like, all right, I can come back to this. (laughs) Um, But I I feel like my comfort zone has moved from sort of more pretentious you know, academic uh, academy, Mm -hmm. that's the word, fair (laughs) to trash as I've gotten older. I feel like I went from wanting to be like challenged and I wanted stories that, you know, really made me think and blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm tired of thinking I'm too old to think now. I just want to be entertained. (laughs) I want blood and guts and sex. And, you know, that's that's it. Yeah, that and I feel the same way because like I went to film school and so I had that period of my life where I was like, I was like Lenny, you know, in the awards show with right. his hand the on his face tented, watching TV. The yeah, I was like, hmm, I need to watch this film. <laughs> and now it's like, yeah, I definitely have now found myself in a comfort zone um, of like, if it's like comedy, thriller or horror and trashy or just silly, then like I'm going to gravitate towards it. I would say 
the the biggest negative to my comfort zone right now is that that has turned my film watching into a very North American, you know, uh, like foundation of film. Like most hmm. of the stuff I watch is like States or Canada in English. Um, you know, I definitely watch way less foreign films than I used to um, and way less older films than I used to. That's funny. I I can send you some uh, suggestions for foreign trash. Okay. They, are, <laughs> they might be a little bit shinier. There's definitely some like German slasher movies and stuff that overall are probably like a little bit better than your basic churned out <laughs> American slasher movie, but like they still feel like yeah, trash. like <laughs> there, there's so many Asian movies as well mm-hmm. that, that are trash and that you would be into, but then you have to pay attention and read subtitles. So yeah, <laughs> unless well, you want to watch like a stupid dubbed kung fu movie, which yeah, which are good too. Yeah, um, yeah. Do, do, does everybody do, or Veronica? Do you specifically? Because you said you kind of feel the same way about like getting older and watching more trash. <laughs> do you feel like when you watch something that's like really great? Do you feel that like invigoration? Because like sometimes I will like, you know, watch something that's more art house and I'll be like, oh, yeah, movies are great. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I guess I think for me, I get that feeling almost any time I watch a movie in a theater, unless I really, really hated it, unless it was something that like, (laughs) which (laughs) there have been a few in the past couple of weeks. Man, I had a stretch where it was like every single movie I saw, I just I hated the worst person <laughs> in the world is the worst movie this year. I'm calling it. Agreed. Wow. Ugh, right. Ugh. This is why I watch trash. Trash doesn't trash doesn't promise to be anything else but trash. Um, yeah. So a lot of times, unless it's something that I really was like, it was a slog to get through and I felt like I was sitting there getting bored and starting to think about how I'm hungry and not stoned anymore, <laughs> then, you know, that's, Usually I leave a theater even from a trashy movie and kind of being like, oh, mm-hmm. and having I, you know, the Alamo has a sign up right now on their marquee that says movies are miracles. Uh, and, you know, I have kind of like laughed and, you know, wrinkled my nose up at it at first. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, OK, all right. But I do at least understand at the sentiment at its heart is sort of like it is kind of amazing that we have these these yeah. forms of entertainment um, mm. and that some of these things even get made. So I think I just as this is something that's changed, I've always liked the collaborative effort of yeah. movies. But as I've gotten older and worked in, you know, things that are like decision by committee and big collaborative things that sometimes I'm like amazed anything ever happens at all. So <laughs> I am sometimes yeah. so sometimes when I see something that is like a three and a half hour epic and, you know, had to have twenty thousand extras and this and that, I'm kinda like, Jesus, this must have been so hard to make. And I have, you know, that sort of reverence for it. Uh, yeah. but I I don't feel any more or less invigorated than, mm. you know, leaving. I know who killed me than leaving. <laughs> I guess I was about to say Lawrence of Arabia, but that's a bad one for me to pick because that's like my yeah, that's favorite. like your movie. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> that's my favorite movie of all time. So of course, leaving that, I'm yeah. gonna be like, oh, oh, I think I was T. E. Lawrence in a past life. <laughs> I just want to I want to point out that when we said comfort zone, you guys immediately went to this idea of a movie that you can turn on and zone out to, which I think is is definitely I mean, like, I feel like there's two definitions. So for me, I'm with you guys as I got older and I just want to zone out. Now I'll be like, what's the trash like that? That Lost City of D movie that's coming out. I'm like, that sounds like a great movie to zone out to. See, I don't <laughs> like, even that's the think kind of trash. It. I'm like. It just sounds dumb. I don't care. I don't like anyone who I, I like. Well, they're fine. Everyone's fine. But I, I'm not like in like looking to forward to seeing it. But it's just like that's the kind of crap that I would be like, sure, why not? But then like the other comfort zone, I think, is just the movies that you're just actively drawn to it. But maybe these are one and the same for you guys. Like, Carlo, you mentioned like there's you know, you're talking about uh, Asian trash movies, hmm. uh, pan Asian 
but you also love Asian cinema. You love a lot of Hong Kong cinema that you've written about on the website uh, that you watch uh, because you you love it. I don't know if you call it trash. Some of it you'd call trash, maybe, but yeah, some of it for sure. But some of them are also just classics that earn the name <laughs> to to be a classic. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for example, if you take like I don't know, like uh, classic Shaw Brothers, like low car, long directed. Uh, period pieces with like incredible choreography. I don't call that trash anymore. You know, that's just like uh, the pinnacle of action cinema. I guess I also don't think about, I don't consider it zoning out. I feel like I'm still very invested. I'm, you know, zoning out is what I think of when, you know, people are watching like their fifth hour of TV and their eyes are glazed over and they're staring (laughs) at their phone. You know, it's, I've, I think of it as just something where I know I'm going to enjoy it period Mm -hmm. that's what comfort zone is Mm. to me we're like even if it's not good even if i uh don't particularly like it at the end you know i'm not gonna watch it again or tell anybody else to watch it but it kept me entertained that's it's kind of the opposite i don't i don't want to zone out i want you you do it you entertain me Mm -hmm. i'm tired of entertaining me (laughs) you do it now the thing with comfort zone as well like people kind of fear going out of their comfort zones but i feel like by it, it always seems scarier or more intimidating before you step out, out outside of that comfort zone but then you find a new comfort zone you know you're making like yeah, new bubbles ex- like a chain reaction it. yeah exactly mm-hmm. and then this thing you thought was just like maybe i don't know like pretentious cinema isn't isn't pretentious at all and it's something you really enjoy and then you go down a new rabbit hole yeah. and there's a new comfort zone waiting for you right there just you never took a chance on on it so. yeah i i also think that for me anyway personally this idea of comfort zone is kind of like um intertwined with like habit you know like yeah. uh it, it's le- like for me it's less that like i'm scared or that like I, if I watch like the foreign film or something that it's going to be like more work. But there's this idea of like, yeah, like habitually I'm reaching for like the stupid action movie that I know, like Veronica said, like, I know this is going to deliver an explosion to my eyeballs <laughs> and I will enjoy seeing that house blow up. And <laughs> I like have conditioned myself to like crave that dopamine, you know, hit. And so I'm now I'm just like watching every PM entertainment movie or something like it's like now I'm like on that, like, you know, chasing that feeling. (laughs) Would you have that feeling like, for example, you watch a good movie of that subgenre every day and it hits that dopamine? Do you think that dopamine will get hit every day or really? I I think if I put you I think it's just that you I would have to put the effort into reaching for those movies mm-hmm. instead of doing the instinctive reach to something yeah. tra- like some silly yeah. horror movie or silly action movie mm-hmm. I'd have to be like I'm gonna sit down and make the big list of like all the movies I should be making <laughs> sure I check out you know or whatever <laughs> yeah I think for me like variation is very important like the, especially like depending on the season I will be into very different kind of things like when it's September October I'm just watching mm-hmm. entirely horror movies and then when that's over I, I switch to classic cinema and, and now it's like pre-summer I'm craving just like general trashy actiony stuff uh, mm-hmm. so it's it's nice that i have a bunch of different um areas i can rely on where i like only just recently yeah. i discovered i really like like 1930s uh old hollywood cinema like pre-code stuff uh that's something definitely where i used to think that's outside of my comfort zone that's too old for me or whatever but turns out it's not really it's just i don't know i've just created an appreciation for it. I found some gateways uh, via some directors or actors, um, and now it's a new, yeah. new, new. It's a new comfort zone for me. So, yeah, it's funny talking about habit, and you know, when it's there are genres of movies that I will find I watch at a certain time. It's like summer's mm-hmm. creature feature time, you yeah. know, and then I kind of I feel like I don't even it's like outside my comfort zone to watch them in the winter. You know, I'm like, this isn't, <laughs> no, this isn't appropriate. Uh, it's gotta yeah. be summertime. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't, I'm, I'm glad to hear uh, that you extended your opened up your comfort zone, Carlo, because there really is some, 
some wacky old stuff out there. There is. There really is. Like way more than I thought. Like only recently I saw this 1940s movie called Murder, He Says. And that's like uh, Fred McMurray starring kind of a spooky sort of movie. And it's just like it's it's basically proto Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. In the 40s. <laughs> which the is Dennis in, Hopper one? It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. It's basically that, like the tone of it. But it's it's 40, so it's a little bit different. But it's proto that movie. I feel like mm-hmm. Toby Hooper must have seen that or something. I'm sure he did. And, and, and I think it's crazy that that exists in the 40s. And I had no idea. And it's not really a very known movie. So I think most people aren't aware that even exists, that kind of thing. I think it's interesting that you guys are also talking about um, comfort zones via via genre uh, and, and also season, which I think is seems to be what a lot of people do. But I've it's not ever been it's something I've I've come to because of like online cinema culture being like you know noir vember and things like that mm-hmm. or or you know watching horror movies only on in October and you know this this. Well, those sort of stuff that <laughs> yeah, those people but no it's just it's funny because i've never the thing my i would say that like the my comfort zone ends up being that i get sort of obsessed with either like uh, an actor because i really like what they're doing or i find oh, yeah, that they choose sure. really interesting things so then i go down a rabbit hole of that actor or directors for the most part like i i tend to to get pick and choose from that Sometimes yeah. I try and like chase down something that's just vis- visually sumptuous or something, you know, like like that kind of Ken Russell cartoony like vibe that, you know, that we've always kind of talked about in general mm. uh, on on back row. Sure. Like, you know, so if I see a, a I don't know, a poster for a new movie coming out and the poster looks rad as hell, then I'm like, that looks up my alley. Like, I'm going to go see that. Like that to me is my comfort zone when. I uh, get screeners for something or I, I wander into, you know, the theater and there's something playing and I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know if it's, I just want to kill time or I don't know if this is going to be my thing and it ends up being great. And then I'm suddenly like, then suddenly I've opened a new door that I can follow, you know, like, oh, maybe this, I love this director. What mm-hmm. are they going to come up with next? Or like, I don't know. Like, so I, I feel like that's kind of how I navigate, yeah. but I'm also not much of a rewatcher. Mm. And I don't know if you guys like would consider just like if there's some kind of if there's one movie you guys constantly rewatch. I feel like there's, I've been dabbling in rewatching more. In yeah, the last, like, oh, I'm such a like, rewatcher. There's a lot of comfort in rewatching favorites, but I yeah. I also rarely do it. When I rewatch stuff these days, it's just like I had a take on this movie, and it's been a couple of years now, and maybe I like mm-hmm. this movie now going back to it because I know a lot of cool people who do like it, or uh, suddenly I. Uh, become fond of a director or an actor and because they were in that movie that I didn't respond well to the first time I might give it another shot so that's what I'm doing rewatches for these days yeah you know that's a funny that's kind of a a, that speaks to me too because I have kind of recently been rewatching stuff both that I loved and hated and that was kind of the thing with steel magnolias that i was like okay i'll rewatch this movie that i watched as a 13 year old and violently hated was just like (laughs) repulsed by on every level uh and then watched it and was like oh okay (laughs) actually i was i was completely wrong about this movie (laughs) so that has been fun to do to kind of go through and in a weird way it almost like (laughs) creates it like sometimes takes away from comfort zones. You know, sometimes you watch a movie that you haven't seen in a while where you're like, I can't wait to watch this. I used to love this movie. And then you're rewatching mm-hmm. and being like, I hate this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't ever want to see it again. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I'm trying yeah, to think I, of I, one, but I can't. I rewatch stuff um, more, more often I, when I'm rewatching, it's because like I'm, picking it to show some friends online and I end up, you know, it's something I saw a few months back that I liked or something like that. So Mm -hmm. I end up watching something maybe twice a year or whatever, but there's definitely movies where I will almost like break the emergency glass on. So like (laughs) last year 
Uh, there was this one night where I just had like a really shitty panic attack and I was like, mm. I'm in such a gnarly bad mood and I know 110% if I put uh, Martha Coolidge's uh, real genius on <laughs> with Val Kilmer, yeah. I'm going to feel happy. It's going to be like a blanket and, and and I pull for that and it like works like 100%. I'm just, you know, I've seen that movie so many times. Yeah, it's nice. just yeah. so yeah, it's, like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice to have those kind of movies. I definitely have those kind of movies, but I have not often felt the need to really uh i don't know dig up like a big time comfort movie unless it's christmas time when it's christmas the classics come up again and i'm watching like <laughs> muppet family christmas and Wee's playhouse christmas special oh my god um, i love which, that's such a big deal in my family it's the incredible Pee-wee. <laughs> yeah it's one of the best things and the mr bean christmas special is a, is a yearly, yeah. yearly tradition here as well <laughs> so you know i don't know if those are like movies but yeah sort of i guess like tv specials um but yeah uh when i'm looking at my letterbox list of movies i've really watched the most it's it's usually stuff where i'm like i should be into this and then it takes me like a couple of years and like maybe one or two rewatches and i'm like yeah, I, I know why I had this feeling originally. I, I am into this. I just didn't realize yet. <laughs> Dude, I you know, I just was thinking every time something goes around Twitter or whatever, somebody says, oh, you like movies? What's your favorite film? Mm. I always end up getting stuck when I'm trying to list my top 10. Because even if I go on Letterboxd and look at the hard cold data <laughs> the and I sort by just... like my highest rated, I'm like, never i never love i never want to use those movies you know what i mean i'm like five stars like what do i have on here like 2001 lawrence of arabia singing in the rain like holy that's mountain interesting these are all great movies and i love them but like are they are they like fun like i don't know like i end up like well, going singing in the rain I, is fun. <laughs> lawrence of arabia is a great time no no but like are they like interesting suggestions for somebody i are mean they... like it's one thing if you want to say like okay yeah here's like a good movie but yeah. it's like if it's something that everyone's so... seen and everyone knows and it's like you know yeah, yes yeah, yeah. like citizen kane is a five-star yeah. film but is it like my favorite film yeah, like, like you... what's, the, what's like the typical jenna top 10 like what defines your top 10? yeah, yeah than, like, these or, are incredible or... movies or like shows my taste. And I'm yeah. I'm realizing that pretty much if I <laughs> on Letterboxd, I have to go back several pages until I get to about the the three and a half to four star reviews. Yeah. And suddenly I get excited about these movies. Here, like, here's the solution. You need to get more I think, five stars. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do. Ex- I'm very that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. Like get the let. I think everybody listening to also needs to like completely let go of this idea that like five stars are only you know for perfect movies doesn't exist you know like i look at my movies on letterboxd by top rating and it's a it is totally a mix of like shit that i think are masterpieces and like just banger trash you know and so like (laughs) you know like uh that documentary from uh 2019 uh honeyland is like so amazing but it's sitting right next to like bones 2001 and i'm like (laughs) hell yeah (laughs) well you know here's the thing is that i'm realizing though that i don't so i just a good example i think i mean i do some of that number one like talladega nights i have five stars on here like looking at (laughs) my my list right now uh i know it's it's ridiculous um but so really recently I rewatched Mikey and Nikki because I was just like, I mm-hmm. felt like it. I was like in the perfect mood to rewatch Mikey and Nikki. And when I originally watched it, I liked it a lot. It, it obviously left a strong impression, but I didn't like, there was something about it that I didn't like. And I, I gave it like a three and a half star review. Yeah. And I was like, this is just a frustrating film when it let, when I let it like sit and simmer in my head and I kind of got over myself in a way, and then rewatched it, I was like, it's frustrating because that's the point of the film. Like, I know that that was, I knew that was the point, mm. but now I can like rewatch it yeah. going in knowing I'm going to be frustrated and suddenly it's five stars for me. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. like, there's this degree of like, maybe I have to rewatch something in order to it's, fully yeah. like embrace it in for that sure. sense. For sure. Like some movies you just have to let simmer in your brain and then after a yeah. while it hits you. And there's, you know, sometimes movies that that you don't even really understand are kind of do become your favorite because you kind of have to think about them so much, mm. Um, mm. which I love that movie young adult. And the first time I saw it, 
Actually, I watched it after because I like couldn't fall asleep after seeing the Babadook. Uh, like auditorily, that movie really scared me, so I kind of had to mm. like have something going on in the background to fall asleep, and then got sucked into this movie, and then immediately watched it again as soon as I was done. And I kept being like, "This is like I don't know how I hated Diablo Cody at the time, you know, where I was like, I shouldn't like this movie, but I kind of couldn't." It was such an interesting character study to me. Mm -hmm. And I was like, am I supposed to hate this character? I actually feel a lot of sympathy for her. So that was kind of a funny, actually, outside, a step outside the comfort zone uh, moment where I was genuinely challenged by a movie that I kind of expected to be stupid and that I was watching as sort of like, you know, a hate watch and then wound up. Now it's like one of my favorite movies. Now yeah. I've, I've made a lot of people watch it and <laughs> nobody seems to like it as much as me. It's so good. It's so good. What it's made- it is very good. I watched and- it on your recommendation and loved it. I was surprised. Yeah, yeah. me too. <laughs> it, it, it also makes me think about this thing with film where, um, so like when that movie came out, I also hated uh, Diablo Cody because I really didn't like Juno. Ugh, me neither. Um, and I felt like there was this, you know, it was very easy to get caught up in the like, well, I hated this movie, so it's their fault because they wrote it. And a lot of people were kind of ripping into their like honest blog dialogue or whatever. And it was like, Bleh. yeah, <laughs> but um, I had a similar thing with Prometheus, which I've talked about on the show before, where yeah. like when that came out, I really got like sucked into the whole like uh, the person's running away from the building falling over and they should just like <laughs> like run, run to the sideways. right. And it yeah, run to the other way, you dumbass. And it's like, and then I watched it like th- two, two or three years later, and I was like, oh, if I just stop caring about this shit, this is a masterpiece. You, I love it. Yeah, like, you, <laughs> you need to yeah, uh, like, ap- apply like the the Gremlins to se- uh, state of mind. Like, don't yeah. don't bitch about logic in movies. <laughs> yeah, and also like, don't don't uh, like. It can be very easy to get like you you want to think like we are you know people who watch tons of movies and we're not going to get like influenced by the like you know the 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 sort of like overarching discussion of what's going on like people yeah. really had it out for diablo cody and i absolutely because i didn't like juno got sucked into that mm. and was like well fuck that fuck the, those movies they're they're garbage they must all be garbage but then i saw a young adult when it came out in theaters and i was like oh this is amazing yeah <laughs> like why did i think that way you know <laughs> yeah and it's it's funny because with that I, you know, I had a very, very similar experience where I hated Juno so much. I hated, uh, first of all, I hated the subject matter. Um, and, you know, I, the whole, I think I had like anxiety the whole time. So I was like, just get an abortion. Oh God, what are you going through with this? You're 16. Uh, and then it like the, the dialogue really irritated me. So I did have this like preconceived notion of what I thought, you know, Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't like her writing. I don't like Diablo Cody's writing. I don't think it's that clever. I think it's, uh, and I actually, what I, maybe I should rewatch Juno and see if this is the case, but like what, where I do think she really shines is creating uh, likable, hateable characters. You know, I yes, felt that way yeah. about Jennifer's body too, where I was like, I kind of dislike everyone, but I enjoy disliking them. I still want to watch them. Uh, so that's that might be the case in Juno. And maybe I just didn't understand that that's sort of how I, you know, that's yeah. I, this is kind of an issue in, in for a lot of people in a lot of different uh, mediums when it comes to entertainment is if someone's the protagonist, we kind of automatically go like, I'm supposed to like them and be on their side. And then we see, you know, they're the good guy, even if they're not. Uh, And so we do have these, you know, things like people defending Walter White up until the end of Breaking Bad. And, you know, people (laughs) being like, oh, well, Tony Soprano, he's a good guy. You know, you're like, no, just because they're the main character, that does not necessarily mean we have to like them. If they're interesting enough that we can hate them and still enjoy this, then that's what's important. Mm, yeah. Uh, I feel like is, Sopranos definitely made that its brand where it's just like yeah. barely anyone on that show is likable. They're yeah, all kind right. of terrible in their own way. Almost yeah. everyone. <laughs> yeah. You feel sympathy for some of them at some points, but then even still you like, but you're still here. 
You're mm-hmm. still involved with these people. You went into this, you know, Carmela at some moments, you're kind of like, okay, I feel bad for you. And I think yeah, you yeah, probably yeah. can't get out of this, but like you went into this with your eyes wide open. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, and also like a quick aside about, um, Juno and stuff like it's, I always find it very tricky too. when it's like movies about teenagers because like, it, it, it also reminds me of like uh, Clueless where it's like there was totally a lot of people when Clueless came out being like, oh, the gag me with a spoon thing, like the dialogue, like that doesn't ring true. All that is like garbage. And it's like, well, actually, like people said those those things forever, years after right. that, right? Like it became the lexicon. And and I think that there's an element of that with the Diablo Cody stuff where it was like maybe I was too close to like Internet yeah. speak where you know, I looked at it and was like, well, this is fucking bullshit. This isn't how people talk. It's all just like snippy dialogue from the internet. But then also like people did talk like that and they're still saying things like awesome sauce and shit. And like, you know, it's like, yeah, (laughs) like it is what people do talk like that sometimes. I don't know. Like, yeah, I feel like the sort of like the shelf space on movies seems to be like sort of, well, to me at least like two decades, I feel like watching movies of the two thousands. Now I have way more tolerance for shit that i hated back then mm-hmm. um especially I in agree. trash <laughs> yeah especially in horror everyone yeah. in the 2000s like this is the worst time for horror all this yeah, horror sucks yeah. pg-13 horror and there's so many good trashy horror movies from the 2000s yeah, yeah. there's fun to be there had there for sure just like in every era and and it's only now that i feel like people are opening up to it and that's what i'm saying it's like two decades ish uh, until you've had enough uh distance yeah <laughs> from a movie or yeah, like a zeitgeist so- yeah, so so let's you know the, now we're I feel like we've moved on to this idea of expanding our comfort zones and we're talking about rewatching things that we once hated that mm-hmm. even aren't from that long ago. And then I also want to bring back to what Carlo was talking about, with which is this idea of a gateway film that brought you to a new cinematic comfort zone. So like for example, and this could be anything really. I mean, it's kind of what we're already talking about, but also this idea of getting into maybe older movies or other decades that you, you know, I think a lot of people come and they say, oh, it's black and white. I can't watch it. Or if it's, you know, from anything from before 1980, it's unwatchable. Or anything and, with I mean, subtitles. I've had to deal with that yeah. a lot. Right, where I'm right. Like, it's not that hard to read, guys. And I'm curious mm-hmm. if you guys have a specific example of like a gateway mm. film or something. I know like, you know, Carlo, for example, I you got really into Barbara Stanwyck, which is mm. a, a great one to get into because she has like a hundred somewhat films. She does. She does. Yeah. And I've seen like half now. <laughs> by now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and how did you get on that, Jag? Uh, I feel like for me, a gateway director in a couple of cases has been just like Billy Wilder. Yeah. Um, I when I first watched The Apartment, I was kind of blown, blown away by this uh, by that movie, and I went on like a rabbit hole of like Shirley MacLaine movies. Uh, I went back to Jack Lemmon movies, which I sort of like grew up on, but like later era Jack Lemmon. But I also started watching way more '60s movies, um, and then more recently it was Double Indemnity, which I had oh, never yeah. seen. Uh, which is an incredible movie. Again, Billy Wilder. And then for, for the first time I met Barbara Stanwyck and I was just blown away. And that led me to 1930 cinema as well, where she had some, some big movies. So yeah, Billy Wilder movies are basically, uh, and when you're talking like foreign cinema, uh, in terms of like Hong Kong as well, a Hong Kong action cinema, like I, I was always aware of like Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee as everyone is, but I had no idea that in the eighties and the nineties, there were a lot of like action movies from that, um, uh, area with like, uh, leading ladies. Like I saw a movie with Michelle Yeoh for the first time. I was like, Whoa, this is like Jackie Chan, but she's a lady <laughs> and it's cool that she can do more or less the same stuff and, it, and it's a great movie and that sent me uh, on, uh, down a rabbit hole of those kind of movies and i i was stuck there for like two years just watching basically nothing else so yeah yeah my, my mind also went to like 60s as well as foreign movies and like in, in terms of the 60s like being a, a horror guy growing up and then going to film school like some movies that really kind of like cracked my head open about like sixties and older movies, like 
um, obviously seeing something like Peeping Tom for the first time mm. and being like, holy yeah. shit, like this is so good. But then also seeing something like uh, 1964 Straight Jacket, where it's like, oh, this is also campy and fun, but like amazing too and really well made. And like, you know, that was very like all these different, you know, types of of these older horror movies can exist and be amazing. Um, and then in terms of like foreign movies, I, I had, I was really late. I would say to, um, studio Ghibli, like everyone I know loved it. Um, and I'd seen one or two, but I guess I just hadn't seen like the ones that were for me. And like about a year or two ago, I watched Nausicaa Valley of the wind and was just like, Oh fuck, this is like perfect movie. I love it so much. And then, um, last year I also watched Lupin the third castle of, uh, Cagliostro and was like, I fucking love those two movies so much. And it definitely sent me on like, you know, I'd already seen a bunch of like, like Ponyo and like, you know, I've seen a bunch of them, but I kind of feel like I found my little pocket of those movies that, that were like totally up my alley, mm. even though I already liked some of them. But yeah, those definitely, I was like, holy shit, I got to watch more, not even just Studio Ghibli, but like, I got to watch more anime stuff and more animation. And yeah. I'm trying to think if they're on my end, if there really is like a genre or director uh, that I absolutely would not, that like, I, I almost, I don't want to be like, I don't have a comfort zone. I have things I go back to, but for me, it's hard to think of times that I left a comfort zone or like, I, I feel mm. like I tend to watch most of everything. Um, I guess I could. Well, you said in the last podcast you didn't like black and white movies as much as color. Sure, but that wasn't. That's just a preference. That's not like, oh, I can't. I can't watch zone. black and white at all. I loved Macbeth, right. and I thought that looked really great, black and white. A field in England, I thought was a great, like, way to make black and white psychedelic. But I tend to enjoy mm. color just. As a person, I live in San Francisco, for God's sakes, you know, I was like, <laughs> ramp up the color, folks. I want it. I want Technicolor everywhere. Uh, so I can't really think of anything on my end that is is like a genre or director, because even directors that I dislike, like Lars von Trier, I've seen 90% of his goddamn movies. You know, <laughs> I keep waiting for to watch one. one and be like oh i like this i guess i like yeah. the house that jack built but see look how long it took to get there yeah, right and i watched that, so many up till then I, that also begs the question though like at at what point is you know a preference a part of your comfort zone right because you're saying like you know i don't actively watch a ton of black and white movies and you know i tend to prefer you know color but i've mm -hmm. obviously seen a lot of black and white movies that i love but at what point does like saying like well that's just my preference but it's like but does that not inform your sure you know, but i don't even comfort? i don't even agree with that first statement that i don't actively watch okay. black i go to noir city every year you know okay yeah yeah i've i do actively watch these movies i yeah. just like color more in general <laughs> that makes sense then. um and even i would probably watch a black and white movie over a lot of movies from the early 2000s because everything was so dark uh and <laughs> yeah. like it's, i hated it's... all the fight sequences you know things yeah. were that yeah. shaky cam close up so i'm more i'm more about just like a good visual if it's a good mm -hmm. solid visual yeah, yeah, yeah. you know i prefer color but I'll take a good clean, you know, the hill or whatever that that Sean Connery movie is, <laughs> yeah. something like that over. Yeah, that's a great movie. Dark Knight. No, Batman Begins, right? That's the one mm. I hated. Mm. That's the one with that's Liam Neeson. <laughs> I think so. I'm asking questions now. Yeah, it is. We're it not is. superhero experts here, so. I know. <laughs> the only one I like. Well, you know, so it's funny, like, I, I think I've told this anecdote before, but, you know, the thing that I feel that got me out of a comfort zone the most, and my comfort zone being, I feel like, again, it's like following my own taste. And, and you know, color is part of that for sure. Like, I I, it, I had to watch a lot of black and white until finally I, you know, saw enough movies that I thought these could only be done in black and white. Black and white is superior for this <laughs> specific film. You know, so it's interesting that now I've I've definitely broadened my taste with that. But my anecdote is just that I I tend to dismiss things if they're too popular 
And that goes, that like goes across the board. It's one of those things where like, have you ever, you know, you, you see this image of Elvis and Marilyn Monroe everywhere and you never think about them as human beings. And mm. then one day you see a, just a slightly different photo of them somewhere yeah. and you're like, oh, well, Marilyn Monroe really was very pretty, wasn't she? That's you know, actually it's like, a very interesting uh, example because I've had that very recently with like Marilyn Monroe. Like I'd seen her in so many roles uh, where she's like, you know, typecast as the ditzy blonde secretary or whatever and then you watch some like it hot i'm assuming if we're going by your billy wilder stand actually no actually no i'm not a big fan of some like it hot even oh, though I, I love billy wilder and jack lemon i i like tony curtis as well and uh no i saw this movie with marilyn monroe called don't bother to knock uh, oh sure yeah yeah with richard whitmark as well and i saw a completely different side of marilyn monroe there and i was like okay now i get it now i see like behind the curtain of what we've always been you know like uh the image of marilyn monroe that's been presented in pop culture to us yeah and i think that that's a big thing is like actually engaging with in my in my my real anecdote was um that i was finally saw a picasso show when i was in germany like i randomly like we were looking for things to do in germany and we were like let's go to this picasso uh, exhibit <laughs> and it was all of picasso's like um costumes that he made for all these stage plays and then his gouache paintings and i was so blown away by just how how much obvious and clear talent he had that was just a uh, you know, one step beyond the the image of Picasso that you see when you think of Picasso, which is which is fine, but mm -hmm. it's just like didn't ever grip me. So it was suddenly I'm like, oh yeah, I guess Picasso's pretty good. But I feel like <laughs> I've had the same realization with like movies. Like maybe Hitchcock doesn't so much do. I I like Hitchcock. I've seen a lot of Hitchcock. Uh, I think he does things really well, but he's not like my favorite. But then. You know, maybe I'll see something that I, you know, I'll see Cary Grant in North by Northwest and be like, well, what did that guy do or something? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was a big part of my getting into Cary Grant uh, initially. But the other one I think that was really rewarding for me was getting into Italian films, especially around that 60s boom time. And I, the only way that I got there was the fact that I looked at Fellini, you know, who was one of the, the greats, one of the, these big, you have to watch La Dolce Vita I watched that. I didn't really get it the first time I watched it. I thought it was, I, you know, it's clearly there, there's a lot there, but it didn't like totally move me, which is funny because now that I've rewatched it multiple times, I, I it totally moves me. But um, <laughs> the thing that I got to from there was realizing, well, Italian cinema has an interesting sense of humor. And so now I'm like going down this rabbit hole of of all of these different like divorce Italian style is such an amazing movie. It's just this like perfect satire that's completely uh, modern and a little bit mean. And it's the exact kind of humor that uh, I fall head over heels for. Or then I'm now watching like Il Boom or I'm watching uh you know Antonio Petrangeli movies like I knew her well which is heartbreaking film but then I'm looking at what else he did and I realized oh Adua and her friends is actually even better you know so now I have this whole rabbit hole and this whole microcosm of like if it came out in Italy in like the early 60s to the mid 60s I might love it mm -hmm. and suddenly this is a new rabbit hole and it becomes a new cinematic comfort zone yeah and that's Definitely. like, that's really satisfying for me when you can like find these pockets of films that mm -hmm. like, you know, have, have something in common and that have like a really easy way. Like if you like this, then try this kind of like, like I love finding stuff like that. Yeah. And it, it kind of becomes like this never ending thing and you'll never run out of movies that way. <laughs> it feels like sometimes. You know, what you said earlier, Jenna, that just got me thinking about, uh, you're saying about like popular movies kind of being put off by something that's too well liked where I think that might be, I won't even say it's, it's outside my comfort zone because God knows I've seen a lot of those movies, but I think that might be the only area of movies that I have to be kind of like pushed into, you know, I would see a lot yeah. of the Oscar movies when they came to the Castro, because I could also see them in a double feature. and um, But a lot of times, if a movie's like too well-known or doing too well, uh, it's I just assume I'm not going to like it. And sometimes I'm right, <laughs> and sometimes I'm wrong. I was right about Crash. Oh, I knew I was going to hate that movie. <laughs> oh, I'll never let anyone forget it. 
And I was like, I don't want to watch this. I don't want to watch this. This is going to be terrible. And then mm. I was right. And then it won an Oscar. Uh, but I think that's kind of the only the only area of movies where I really have to be kind of prodded into. And even still at this point when people bring up, have you seen? Oh, God, tell me what movie is nominated for for the 2021 Oscars. I don't even know. Coda. Huh? I know one uh, Japanese movie called Drive, Drive My, My Car. Car is nominated. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's been playing at the Roxy a lot. Mm, and I kind of didn't want to go see it. <laughs> I didn't even I know it was nominated. If, I, was I just think like, you might oh, like no. it. Yeah. I think you might like it. Okay. I I maybe if they play it again I'll go mm. see it. But. No, yeah. maybe you won't. I don't know. <laughs> I, I had mixed emotions about it. Like I I liked parts of it. I think you will like the driver chick. Sure. I don't think you'll like the other the rest of it. And I think you'll like there's a the thing that my thing about that movie was that I just I would have much rather watched that play version of Uncle Vanya that they do throughout the entire film. Like I would have just rather seen that stage play than watch this movie. <laughs> I know that's like the worst, the worst thing but you it, can say I mean, about a like, movie. It's well acted. I have a, my issue is really with the story. I, I and it's probably with an issue with Murakami. It's not really. I think mm. the movie is well made. I don't. I'm not like angry. It's getting. Yeah, I've seen some like Murakami adapted movies, and that's why I'm not in a big rush to see Drive My Car either. Uh, and also, it's like three hours, so you know. Yeah, that might have been <laughs> too what? long. I know. That's. See, is that- that's the thing as well, like with new movies, what I was saying earlier, you know, like the shelf space, like if I go out and watch a new movie now and I like it, do I really like it or am I just like getting caught up in the hype of seeing it on a big screen and then in, I, I rewatch it in a couple of years and I'm like, why did I like this? Or, I've definitely you know? liked, there's definitely been some movies that I really, really loved them when I saw, or at least really enjoyed them when I saw them in the theaters and then I mm-hmm. forced someone to watch it is usually <laughs> how it goes. Uh, yeah. And while I'm yeah. watching it being like, oh... I do. Yeah. Or even, you know, there's kind of a lot of, especially nowadays when like a million movies come out at once and there'll be a lot of movies that kind of cover the same ground and I'll see a bunch at the same time and like mash them together in my head. Like I told my friend, uh, <laughs> my friend Rhiannon, I was like, we should watch Assassination Nation. I really enjoyed it. No, I didn't. I, I liked The Misandrists, which was a similar but different movie. <laughs> and we were watching Assassination Nation. And she was like, I'm surprised you like this. I was like, I don't. I don't. I think I just saw this in another movie at the same time and forgot that I saw two movies. Uh, this is I don't like this at all. But yeah, so, but sometimes even just seeing something in a theater, you do kind of go like, yeah, oh, well, this is fun. <laughs> this mm-hmm. is I'm here and it's dark and, you know, a lot of noises. Yeah. Uh, but I did see a movie kind of recently, this French movie, Betty Blue, that was already like too oh, long. Yeah. It was three hours long and then it felt like it was five hours. Um, and it was probably the first time I'd gone to see a movie that I like, I like went into the the lobby to text someone and kind of like waste time. So I was like, I can't sit here anymore. I, I don't even care about what's happening on screen. I was like, you know, starting to kind of crawl out of my skin. Um, so I think I think some movies are too long. They should be shorter. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a good example of a comfort zone is that people will reject movies because they're too long or they'll reject movies in general because oh, I don't want to sit there for two hours. But then people will also binge like 13 hours of TV. Hours. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's no, true. So I think that's another interesting one. Like, I, you know, the, there is certainly there's there's terrible long movies, but then there's also, I don't know, Lawrence of Arabia that I feel like I could have watched eight yeah. more hours of it, you know, so it, <laughs> it's interesting. I don't know if you guys have a i mean i certainly will avoid movies if i see it's three out like drive my car i was like all yeah. right i'm gonna have to yeah. it set depends, aside like, the time if, but if i'm interested enough i will eventually probably yeah. get around to it but uh like the argument of yeah but there's like uh, people binge watch tv shows i don't yeah no, i, I yeah, don't, I don't like doing that so <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's situational as well hmm. i mean like we all contain multitudes, whatever. I think that <laughs> movies are too long. I don't want to go watch a two and a half to 45, you know, superhero movie most days. 
but I also love to sit down and watch a six hour Frederick Wiseman documentary, mm-hmm. fucking <laughs> hook it into my veins, please. <laughs> you know, but I, I do think that I have not, that's, that is a comfort zone thing for me because there are a lot of times where Emma will be like, we'll be scrolling through my Plex and Emma will be like, Oh, like that movie's supposed to be good. We should watch it. And I'm like, Ah, I don't know. It's two hours and fifteen minutes, and it's ten o'clock. Like, I mean, that's a legitimate. <laughs> as someone who goes to bed at ten forty-five, like that makes sense yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. But but then it's like if we only, you know, if every time we go to watch a movie, it's ten o'clock. I'm never gonna watch that movie. So then I have to tell yeah, myself yeah, yeah. Well, we need to sit down on Saturday and watch it during the day, you know, or whatever. It, it becomes something I have to kind of like yeah. make a point we, to do. Yeah. We had that with uh, Doctor Sleep. We we really wanted to watch <laughs> Doctor Sleep. We both did, and at one point, I I was like, I'm just gonna put this on, and we probably won't finish it tonight. Uh, and we ended up doing it because we really liked it. And, mm-hmm. and she was like, oh, fuck, I need to go to work tomorrow. I can't be staying up this late. But the movie, <laughs> we like the movie. So, you know, I kind of yeah. su- suckered us into it. But no, that's a good no feeling. <laughs> that's when I went to go see that movie Crawl with the giant alligators. It's because mm. I it was I was debating between that or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And I already wasn't exactly <laughs> champing at the bit for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I You know, mm. I've uh, Tarantino has lost me in later years. Um, and then I looked at the run times and it was like 93 minutes to like two and yeah. a half hours. Like, oh, yeah. see you later. Bye. I'm yeah, going to go Give me the crocodile. Yeah, right. <laughs> cool. Oh, a lot of rain and like bright Florida colors. Barry Pepper in his later, later years dad form. All right. I'll take this. I don't need. Ugh. And then I did eventually watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and I hated it. So. Still haven't seen it. Yeah. That was like. I was getting really into, and it, for exactly the same reason as as you were saying, Dan, at like night at nine o'clock, mm-hmm. I was getting really into movies that were like an hour and fifteen minutes long Hell or yeah, an perfect. hour and thirty, Bliss. and they were all like either noirs or westerns, yeah, mm-hmm. from the forties, yeah, <laughs> and and like that was like you're reminding me of that the Bud Bodicher uh, Ranawin cycle, yeah, and yeah, those yeah. movies where they're all like an hour. Um, the Randolph Scott Westerns, they're like an hour and 15 minutes long. Mm-hmm. And I watched those in like, I basically binged those, even though that was over the course of a week. But it was like, this is all I want to watch. It's yeah. like perfect length. And then suddenly I, I also created this new like comfort. I mean, like I have always liked Westerns. And so it was just like, it you know, multiple things converged here. But uh, noir, as I would say, I've, I've been watching way more noir in the last couple of years. And in part because it's just so damn convenient. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. and sure. satisfying. Like I usually, it's usually pretty good. I mm-hmm. get something, you know, out of watching them. So yeah, yeah, I've had that a lot with like thirty cinema as well. Like those will almost uh, more often than not be like sixty minutes, maybe seventy. So I don't know. In the span of uh, a normal movie, I will watch two of those. And right. you know, even if I don't really like them, I'm like, it's just an hour. You know, it doesn't have to be yeah. amazing. Do you think it was movies in general that all got longer or or because like hearing about Westerns and my mind immediately went to like, like, isn't it weird that Westerns at a certain point all had to be like three plus hours? And I'm like, but you're talking about these ones that were like, so like to the point back even like earlier. And I'm like, that sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some later Westerns that. Yeah, I, you know. Some of them feel like they have a purpose. They're telling like a, a general intergenerational stories or then there's ones like mm-hmm. Heaven's Gate where I don't know why there's no need for it to be like <laughs> three and a half hours long. But I do sometimes I mean, think also that, uh, you know, I think some movies are longer now um, because there's like have so much filler in them. And I wonder mm. if they... Maybe people don't think they're getting their money's worth if a movie's too yeah. short yeah. or yeah. something. It's, it's so weird to me because it, when I think of that and I think of like, okay, all the Avengers movies are like nearing three hours yeah. now. Mm-hmm. My mind goes to like, but when you think about like like commerce and you think about like songs are getting shorter because they want more streams, you know, in my mind, I'm like, wouldn't they want like all Avengers to be an hour and a half so they can fit more into this day? You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess because I mean, people... if we truly go back to serial, I mean, like they're becoming with the way that everything's interconnected, you can't 
see these damn movies. You you can't like I re- I watched every single Spider Man just because I want to see the new Doctor Strange that's coming out. And then mm. I I got through all the Spider Mans and I watched the most recent Spider Man. And my friend turns to me and says at the trailer of the new Doctor Strange, "Oh, they're referencing the TV show." And I was like, "No, <laughs> well, then I don't <laughs> know what's going it. on." <laughs> I'm not watching the Marvel What If show or whatever the heck. I'm not watching it. I didn't know it existed until my friend turned to me and said, oh, that's cool. And I was like, no, it's not cool. It's obnoxious. Yeah, but like, if they're going to be doing that, then mm. like, yeah, they should turn go right back to serials. They should be doing like, you have to see three a pop in the, in the cinema, mm-hmm. buy popcorn in between each and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just keep them coming. Or you cannot watch superhero movies. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that's certainly I mean that's like that's like an interesting for me like I I I don't really give a crap about any of these superhero movies. I was more interested because Sam Raimi is going to be directing the new Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I like I don't have any problem watching these movies. I my problem really is with people that are like this is my church. Yeah, know, in general. And that maybe too that's like the thing about movies getting longer is that like I I don't have much. I mean a, a good epic is great, but not everything is an epic and I get very frustrated when when they keep trying to act like something this is this is the one story to be told. Yeah, I wonder mm-hmm. if that's that's like a byproduct of this uh sort of hyperbolic world, you know, where everything's everything's amazing, everything's the best, you know epic fail epic this and you're like well epic is actually has a definition and it's actually supposed to be a story that needs to be this long if you can cut a bunch of dialogue and scenes out it's not you know it's not an epic uh and i do i can't think of i can't think of a movie in the past like 15 years or so except for maybe something like the revenant even though i didn't particularly like it that had it seemed like it had a reason to be that i might genuinely call that an epic it really it even has almost a like a greek tragedy sort of feel to it you know someone just hunting down someone else for revenge um but most things even movies that are like called epics made now i'm kind of like i don't know i just because this is long i don't think it's an epic hmm so I want us to, uh, as we wind down our conversation, I would like us to all see if we can come up with, because and because this is funny enough that this, this sort of, I feel like the, the conversation about comfort zones has to start with us talking about the things we love, and then it inevitably kind of ends with us talking about what we hate. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm curious if you guys can, can identify real quick in the moment, like a, a genre or something that you know that it, it is outside of your, your general watching habits and something that you actually have an interest in, in getting to know. I would say for me, I famously, <laughs> famously, um uh avoid horror movies but i like that you know i like horror i just get scared (laughs) easily and i get tired of not being able to sleep but i also am getting frustrated at like there's things where i'm like i would love to see this i just have to watch it with the lights on i don't think you've been trying to do more enough credit because i think you've seen some pretty freaky movies and i just if there's a ghost in it or there's something supernatural it just makes me like it it really like gets me like jump literally jumping in, out of the couch <laughs> if it's just a serial killer that's fine right i know you kind of feel like maybe you could stand a chance against a serial killer you know we humans i've said before <laughs> humans have a misguided optimism of like how we could you know how how good we might be at fighting stuff off but man if it's a, a ghost no way yeah ghost forget it they got all them ghost yeah. tricks and shit mm-hmm <laughs> ghost trick. <laughs> you know, I don't know what they do but how does she come out of the TV she's gotta be yeah. it's a ghost trick card tricks sleight of hand yeah. ghost that's stuff. all they do ghosts just show up and do like close up magic and you're like Jesus yeah. Christ please please I'd rather go back to sleep yeah um, for me like speaking of westerns westerns are definitely something that I watch a lot less of there, there was definitely a point where I would have said like oh I don't really like westerns well, when I was younger, like then I saw like, you know, some of the Clint Eastwood ones that I really liked, like High Plains Drifter. And, you know, I, th- there's definitely ones that I really enjoy, but it's it's also not something that I'm reaching for a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, honestly, fantasy movies, too, like, yeah. you know, 
that stuff can be it, it has to be really like there has to be a kind of like trashy entertainment angle to it if it's like really 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 dry fantasy stuff can really put me to sleep mm-hmm. um and maybe even like well when i was younger like a movie being a period piece was a real like Ugh, oh god i gotta watch this like ye olde film <laughs> uh, <laughs> but i got over that as well like i mm-hmm. basically hit a point in my life where i was like it was dumb of me to say i don't like a whole genre because you know it's the same thing with music like when I was a kid, I was like, I don't like country music. And it's like, actually, there's so much fucking great country music. Like, yeah. shut up, kid. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you find the things. But but in terms of movies that like I should watch more of, for sure, like I don't watch very many Westerns. Mm. Yeah, it's same for me, I guess. Like Westerns is definitely a thing. Like I I like them in theory, but then I haven't really seen a, a bunch that have been able to convince me to go really go down a rabbit hole like um i really like the martin ritt westerns that he did with paul newman hud and hombre i think those are really great westerns but they're kind of atypical westerns um tonally um but it's definitely something i was gonna say i was just gonna say that general's like i don't know i think you could find a lot of westerns that sort of there's so but i know what you mean so many different types you know there's Mm. really a variety out there um and you see some that are, you know, something like the the Great Silence, which is just like haunting mm-hmm. and quiet, and and it's snowy, which just snowy westerns are always okay. fun. There isn't a ton <laughs> of those, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's I think Jen and I aren't westerns are definitely something we have covered, but I don't know if I can really, aside from maybe like romantic comedies, I think that that might be the only genre that I really don't watch uh, with any regularity. Mm. I, you know, and, and I'd, I'd say probably the, well, actually we were going to, we were going to do something about romantic comedies, you and I, because yeah, we neither of us, I mean, I like romantic comedies probably more than you do, but um, yeah, I, the uh, girl, girl films, right. <laughs> films, movies made that's, for us and not even that's out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And not even specifically, romantic comedies but movies even movies that are like girl power movies like that are made yeah. for us and just girl boss yeah it just <laughs> ring so hollow uh that it's just kind of like this is not this is not connecting with me but i yeah i don't well, i really i would say i don't know if you guys have any suggestions of how i mean i think we we gave a lot of good suggestions for how to get out of a comfort zone but i don't know if you guys can think of like any specific other ways like i i'm just think that sometimes it's a matter of looking up your favorite director and seeing what movies they love and mm-hmm. then yeah you know seeing even out of that list you don't have to sit there and be a completist you can just find the thing that looks the most interesting to you in that list yeah and I'm, then take it from there you know follow the actor follow the mm-hmm. director follow the genre yeah. follow the the year yeah i mean that's sort of what i'm doing as well like with westerns i'm like i know barbara stanwick has been in a couple of westerns so i'm sort of yeah. sa- saving day uh, those for for a good time to try and watch those like i've already seen one it didn't really do much for me uh sam fuller western with barbara stanwyck what's it called uh, 46 guns or something um but she's in another one so i don't know maybe that'll be the one that'll mm, that i'll be able to make that click but i don't know yeah. or even taking two genres and mashing them up and seeing what yeah. exists like you're talking about westerns and i'm looking at some of my favorite ones on letterboxd here and i see blood on the moon and station west both of which are kind of noir westerns which are definitely strange and they're good movies like these mm-hmm. are, they're really fun so if you know that you like noir you want something i mean station yeah. west straight up has um a dick powell as the lead so it's like this weird like huh like who knew? And sometimes you can just make it up. Just be like, I want a, a Japanese musical about uh, a Japanese Western musical or something. I'm sure that exists. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. Sounds awesome. <laughs> I know a For- Thai Western musical exists, the the Tears of the Black Tiger. But I know like a the- Japanese zombie rocker. It's Wild not really Zero. a musical, huh? <laughs> it was a Wild yeah. Zero. <laughs> I was like, yeah. it's not really a musical, but there's a lot of music in it. Mm. <laughs> For for me, when it comes to this stuff, I do find like um, 
I almost want to say, like, try and make a game of it. Yeah. <laughs> like, for me, like, we do a thing on the Crud Buddies Discord where once a month, you know, somebody will pick four movies from your watch list for you to watch. And, you know, I don't often watch all four within that month, but I know, like, I have these four movies that I can pick from. And so, you know, I'll, I'll probably end up watching something that, like, I've been meaning to see. Like, I watched uh, Catherine Bigelow's The Love List from 1981 recently, and it, that was a movie that I've been wanting to see for, like, 10 years and just, like, was never getting to. And then, you know, it was on that list. And I was like, oh, I'll watch that tonight, you know? And so I think, yeah, not not necessarily making a game of it, but having some kind of, like, a thing that will kick you in the butt to, like, okay, actually, I will do that can helps me a lot. <laughs> Yeah, totally. or sometimes you just get to know someone and your tastes align, but theirs are a little bit different, like uh, is the case with all of us, and they recommend something to you that can work as well. That's sort of what we always do, I feel, as well. Someday Carlo will watch Feds. <laughs> yeah, someday, sure. I don't I don't feel that movie is outside of my comfort zone. I just, I know. Uh... You just don't want to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Why do you hate you, women? You've built <laughs> Wow, Dan, I've had to ask myself that question so many times. I, I also, I kind of think, you know, an answer to this, which isn't an easy one, is that like, there's kind of no tricks to getting outside the comfort zone. It's in in any regard, in, in life, in movies, it's just a matter of doing it, um, which doesn't, you know, necessarily help. But it is just kind of, there's, there's really no other way to convince yourself to get outside the comfort zone except getting outside the comfort zone. Um, so Carlo should watch Feds, whatever that is. <laughs> <laughs> Even though, yeah, it is in your comfort zone. I know there's no trick to it. It's just a simple trick. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a, it's just an action. Yeah, <laughs> just do it. Just do it. That's yeah. Film doctors hate this one weird trick. <laughs> <laughs> This podcast is a presentation of Back-Row.com, co-founded by Veronica Dolgenko and Jenna Ipkar, also featuring Carlo Van Stepout and Dan Gorman.